This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. In a world where overspending, debt, and keeping up with the Joneses rules us all, where the voices from the merchants, restaurants, and credit companies lord over the common man. Out of the darkness, like a beacon of hope, comes a new voice. A voice that's rich and creamy, like your favorite butter, and delicious, like cheeseburger pizza on your diet cheat day. It's The Stacking Benjamin Show. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's The Stacking Benjamin Show. Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and tomorrow's the NFL draft. So excited. So to help you go pro with your money, we welcome a guy named Rob who knows quite a bit about big money in the NFL. It's Rob Welsh. Wait, did you think I was going to say a different NFL Rob? I don't know what would make you think that. In our headlines, some clients are not happy, to put it mildly, with their advisors. What's going on? We'll share results of a recent J.D. Power poll. Plus, we'll throw out the Haven Lifeline to Lucky Stacking Benjamin's listener, Nate, who wants to know how to best use his additional mortgage payments if the Fed raises interest rates again. And then I'll share some pastime trivia. And now, two guys who like to huddle up and fumble. Wait, what? It's Joe and O-J-J-J-J-G. No, 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 Doug. We're scoring touchdowns on this podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the day before the draft. A big holiday here in the basement. Mom has cookies and uh, not a normal Wednesday. But like every other Wednesday, we're going to bring it in the most professional manner possible with Mr. OG here. Easy, easy. (laughs) Nice try. (laughs) Mr. OG, how are you, man? You ready for the draft? What's up? Gonna get uh, nachos and beer tomorrow. Watch, uh, watch the draft. No, but I will be. Uh, my my son turns sixteen today, so stay off the roads, people. No oh boy, <laughs> St- stay off the roads. Can in Texas? I, I think the answer is probably yes. But when is it like the day of you turn sixteen, you get your license? Because in a lot of states, you still have this waiting period. Uh, yeah, you can. There's you know there's this whole process and some sort of restriction, you know, that they're only supposed to travel during certain periods and stuff like that until they're right. 17. But yeah, he can- Only to pick up dad at 11 p.m. from the bar. That's the only thing he's allowed to do. <laughs> That's totally fine because you're with your parent. 
That's right. In fact, I, that would probably be an attaboy for, you know, if he gets pulled over, son, why, why, you know, what are you driving? Like, my old man's passed out in the back again, officer, and I wouldn't let him drive home. He'd be like, good on you. Get him home. Good boy. So stay off the roads in Dallas. You know how most parents teach their kids, like, imagine there's an egg under the accelerator, so you're slowly pressing down on that, you know, so you don't just jam it? No. no you never did that? No? No. An egg? No. Yes. Yeah, the, Why would I want to crush egg. an egg so slowly? You just got to be nice and all easy. All gas, well. all break, baby. Oh, I thought, <gasps> I, I thought, I thought <gasps> yours for your, yours for your oldest was. Now remember, there's a Jello shot under there, so you got to be nice and easy. <laughs> <So> you, <laughs> watch out for the drywall, son. Oh, too soon. Do not, think, yeah, do not drink and drive, people. That's not. That wasn't a drinking and driving joke. That no, was a not at all. ridiculousness joke. No more ridiculousness on this show. We're getting at it. By the way, I do have to say one more thing. Big thanks to the Webbies for honoring us. I don't know, OG and Doug, if you guys saw that, but we scored an honorable mention. This is the first time, while we have had Bankrate, call us Best Personal Finance Podcast, Kiplinger, call us that. This is the first nod we've gotten outside of our niche. This was just the advice how-to portion of the Webbies. Some of the people named alongside of us, five finalists, one more honorable mention, Idris Elba's podcast was was Bond. one of one James of those, Bond. and is he going to be the next Bond? No, it's been a rumor for like ten years. It's a rumor, I don't know. He, he'd be a great Bond. He'd be a great I know James he would. Bond. He'd be awesome, oh. but it's not, never happens. Well, they got to have the somebody. Pixar podcast, yeah, the Pixar podcast they did with the BBC is up there. And by the way, our friends uh, Nicole Lappin and Stephanie O'Connell, who does the Real Simple podcast, the only right. other two. Finance podcast mentioned. And by the way, the other honorable mention alongside us, the Gray Goose podcast. Speaking uh, of drinking. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Joe, I, I took a look at that and it is very, very cool. But what I didn't remember noticing is were we noticed for the whole podcast? Were we, were we recognized for the whole po- or an individual episode? It, it was the entire podcast. Yeah. It wasn't there, they it had- seemed. Like there were some, I was clicking through categories and then I thought I saw that some were individual episodes yeah. and others were the whole thing. Some podcasts are individual episode, but because we are uniformly brilliant on every awesome episode, every we, could, time. we could pick just one. Very Ours humble. was just the brand. So yeah. what do we need to do? What do we need our listeners to do to get us out of the honorable mention category and on the front page? That is the next step. That is uh, right where our heads are right now. So more, Tell your friends. more to come there, Doug. We need more uprising from our listener base. Like, you know, <laughs> I'm heavy into data. I love stats. We want and you I went to out- pick at the Webbies. It's our first time actually <laughs> yes. being honored for a Webby, and we're <laughs> outside no. we won't picking. Go. Hell no, we won't go. <laughs> it's a travesty. But I, I do, I think we need some activism from our listener base. We Look, uh, you know how much I, I'm a data nerd, and I was looking at a bunch of stats, and we're in so many countries around the world. Like, for instance, we have 50% market penetration in Liechtenstein. We have three listeners in Liechtenstein. So we're, we're halfway <laughs> to having the whole population of Liechtenstein. You three need to get off your duffs. And tell the other and three. tell the other three. <laughs> tell the other three to start downloading the podcast. There's no reason why we can't have total penetration in Liechtenstein. But then who will they share? Who will they share the episodes with at the pub later? Like they got a next door neighbor is in a different country. So all they (laughs) have to do is tell their next door neighbor. And suddenly 
That's how the wildfire starts, Joe. Well, let's just uh, let's let's just stick with big thanks to the Webbies for including us for now. One step at a time. We got a great show. Rob Welch is here. He works with a bunch of pros. Doug, as you said earlier, we're going to talk about going pro with your money with the draft tomorrow. But before that, a big headline. So let's uh, get rolling. Well, we'll get rolling in just a second. I think we need to pump the brakes. OG, tell your 16 year old to pump the brakes because we got to do this. You don't first. pump the brakes if it's Annie Locke. Hold them down. Just slam the brakes. This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Well, don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment's the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal, rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line, and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words, your money's breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money in the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. I don't think that put a break on the podcast, though. Now, tell them to crush it, OG. Let's crush on the gas pedal. Here we go. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show, our stacking Benjamin's headlines. Our headline comes to us from uh, Market Watch. This is written by Beth Pinkster. Big news, OG, from J.D. Power. They just put out a survey of investor sentiment and how they feel about their financial professionals they work with. And let's just say there may have been better times in the past. Beth writes, as the market goes, so follow investors' opinions of the financial professionals who advise them. There, Beth, by the way, might have been an advisor because that statement is so loaded, OG. As the market goes, so follow investors' opinions of the financial professionals so who advise them. So are the them. days of our lives. The market like goes- sands through the hourglass. The, the market goes up. My advisor is brilliant. Awesome. The market goes down. My advisor is trash. Yeah. She writes, with the S&P 500 down 18% last year and bonds off two investor sentiment toward full-service investment firms dropped significantly, according to the most recent survey from J.D. Power. Let's dive into some of these, these numbers. Investors aren't just mad that their stocks went down. The survey from the Consumer Insights Company, based in Troy, Michigan, where my office used to be, also indicates that clients are dissatisfied overall with the advice and consideration they get from advisors about their money, and that most people don't even get the comprehensive advice they need or expect from so-called full-service firms. Only 11% of 
of companies provided a scope of engagement that offered advice on overall financial health, put the client's best interest first, and made fees clear. 11, one in 10, OG, according to the survey. Didn't know their fees, didn't feel like it was holistic. That That's an indictment. Well, you know, the problem is, is that the easy stuff is the money. And when all you talk about is the money, then all you can focus on is the money. And when things go well, then everybody's excited about the money. And when things don't do well, then there's nothing else to talk about other than the money. The real question that people want answered this review cycle for us is, so I get that the market went down. How does it affect me moving forward? And really it's the Am I still on track? Am I still going to be okay based on the results that have just happened? Because you're you, beginning, you're beginning with what the goal is, not right. with the investment. Well, that's my point. If all you focus is on the money, then you must assume that you're not on track for your goal because the money went down. And if you don't put those two things together, to your point about being a little bit more holistic and think about um, financial planning as you know a whole bunch of different components, then then yeah, you're going to only only be able to pay attention to the one thing, which is the tool for the all the other things, uh, which could lead to some frustration. I, but I love this focus of those one in 10 advisors, that 11% of advisors that instead of focusing on the market down 22%, it's focused on what actions can we take? We can't do anything about the market. It's going to go down from time to time. We can't right. do anything about our asset allocation except put it in the spot where traditionally it was best, right? If we follow the efficient frontier, we use science around having a good asset allocation. Those are kind of table stakes for a good advisor. The best discussions are when advisors can push you, I think, to go, hey, what are we going to do? What are we going to And when you have a meeting with your advisor about what are we going to do? It's so much more powerful and so much, I don't know, you can come out of a year like last year going, I just been given a gift. This is a big opportunity versus 89% of people upset with their advisor. Yeah. I think it really just boils down to making sure that we recognize that investment planning is one of the areas of financial planning. And so are, you know, there's six other areas. So it's important to focus on those other pieces as well because it, it they, they all work together. And if you're not going to deal with insurance or you're saying, well, I don't want to do the financial planning work because it's very difficult. I was talking to an advisor a couple of weeks ago about their business and he said, yeah, I don't really do the planning thing. It's just really hard to do all the data entry. And I said, well, what, what do you do? He's like, well, we just mostly just manage money, which is kind of, you know, on that side of the equation, which is what we're talking about today. It's like, to what end? Right. So what's the goal? If you've got three million bucks and your portfolio goes down twenty percent, what's the measuring stick for whether or not you're still okay if you don't have any other financial goals? If your pursuit is my three million needs to turn to four, otherwise I must be in trouble, I think you're doing yourself a big disservice, both as a consumer and and as an advisor, frankly. Well, how about this stat, OG? Just over forty percent of advisors or clients when asked about their advisors said their advisor provided only transactional advice, which offered, and this was part of the question, which offered conflicting motivations between advisor and client's best interest. 40%. I think there's, there's two indictments there. Number one is 40% of the people in this survey say their advisor was transactional. That's a problem for the advice industry. But I think there's another one, which is, 
while, while times were good, while the market was going up, four in 10 clients accepted that type of an advisor on their team. They're like, yeah, okay, it's good. And then the market goes down like, yeah, this isn't good. Well, that's all the, the same part of the same, you know, the same thing that we're talking about here is just a different angle of this. When all you have is investment conversations, then the only conversation you can have is around investment changes, right? And and if you're getting together with your your advisor and all of the conversations are around, I think we should switch this fund, or I think we should switch that fund, or this ETF is better than this ETF, or you know, we're going to use this manager instead of that manager. If those are the conversations that you're having, then my my question would be to what end? So why are we making these changes? And if it's something like, well, our economists believe that, or I think that based on market conditions, you know, if those are the phrases and vocabulary that you're experiencing, you're missing out. I think as a consumer, you're missing out on linking the things that you want to do with your money to what your money is doing. Because once you have clarity around, here's the stuff I want to do, and then here are the resources that I have to support the things that I want to do, then all of the other decisions around that are easy. It's really simple to pick your investments and stick with it because you go, well, this is serving the purpose of the thing I want to do, not just, oh, gosh, the market's down 18% today, so oh, I mu that must mean I need to do something. Quite often, <laughs> the right answer is to do nothing. And you know, don't get me started on the whole, let's trade at the bottom of the market, too. <laughs> Yeah, that's really ridiculous. This author, Beth Pinkster, continually hits the button. Listen to this line from her. She says, the mere fact that people equate market performance with advisor satisfaction underscores the problem in the industry. How many times have we seen in these online forums, people go, well, I can pick an ETF myself, so I don't need an advisor. Uh, that's not what, I'm, what are you talking about? Yeah. Like it's, it's not about market performance. It's man, there's some big problems. It's a component there. You know, of it for sure, but sure. it's a component of it in the grander scheme of what your family's financial goals are. And once you have clarity around what you want to do, then you can start making sure that you make investment decisions that are aligned with the things that you want to do, not just arbitrarily ETF picking. Well, sure. OG. So the advisor component's actually going to be the opposite your satisfaction with your advisor should not be that they bailed out of funds at the right moment, like some magic wizard, and then put you in funds that didn't go down like some sort of, you know, prognosticator. It's somebody who taught you what you can do to make sure that you don't have to be a wizard. How can you, how can you persevere when there's a storm in your portfolio? So market goes down your advisor satisfaction should be based on how well they help you navigate through the storm. Not that they somehow managed to avoid the storm right now, as we're recording this, we have a storm that is stretching from Texas to Northern Michigan. It's the same storm. Like you're not going to, if you're in the United States today, right now, you're not avoiding the storm. It's, it's, it's going to happen. And yet people think, well, my advisor would get me away from this. Probably, probably not. You know, I want to use an analogy. We often say that you need to be the CEO, right? You need to be in charge of your financial plan. You cannot delegate that responsibility to some advisor and you should like, why would a CEO do that? Go, Hey, you know, I'm going to come back twice a year and see how all my VPs did for today. I want to talk about coaches because we've got Rob Welch coming up next, talking about the NFL draft. And uh, you guys follow the Detroit lions like I do. 
And there has been a change. And everybody said at the end of the year last year, there has been a change with the Detroit Lions. And you know what it is? It's the coaching. It is specifically coaches that are focused much more on big picture and this holistic approach that they're taking. It's not one player. They got rid of their best player, OG. They got rid of Matt Stafford. And for non-sports fans, I apologize. But I think that when you look at what Dan Campbell's done in Detroit, the assistant coaching lineup he has is fantastic. And I think if you see yourself as a CEO or head coach, you got to look at the caliber and quality of those assistants, Doug. Well, and you know, just to take the analogy further, it's not just the coach, it's the connection of the coach to the players. And so we've talked a lot about making sure you have an advisor on your team that that you get and gets you that that really understands you and and that really understands what are your goals and I think that's that's what's happening in, with the Detroit Lions. The, that coaching staff is really connected with the players. They've been in their players' shoes. Most of the coaches are former players at the pro level. And uh, I think you need to find that advisor in the same way that that understands you. Two years ago, Doug, when Dan Campbell, the Lions coach, was starting, you and I had this conversation about how the Lions had lost the entire city. The entire yeah. city was anti-Lions, which which rarely happens. For a team that loses as much as they do, it's, it's it's weird to lose the Lions. They'd lost everybody, but but Dan never lost the players. Week 16, week 17 of a hopeless season, Detroit still played these teams to the wire with nothing to You could see it. Mm-hmm. And how he, how he lost all the fans, but the players were still there and they were still focused. Proved last year when they made this late season run and I don't know. It was it so. Was, so if you found an advisor that you believe in, but the market goes to hell, this is the analogy, right? Stick with it because it's not the. It's it's it means more to be with an advisor that you're well matched with, maybe because the players the could factors. see the goal. They could see yeah. the goal. Everybody was on the same same page, and they weren't playing for that year at that point. They were playing for this continuity which is, is, is much longer. Joe, see, listen, everybody, Joe's trying to take it back to the lions and I'm trying to bring this back to personal finance for you. (laughs) Joe's, Joe's all worked up right now thinking about the actual, I can see him. He's picturing the plays on the field right now. And I'm like, bring it back, Joe. They don't care. Someday. Yeah. We got all the non-sports fans, 15 second fast forward. Yeah. By the way, thanks to Beth Pinkster for writing this story. We have a great resource uh, for everybody called the 201. It's our excellent newsletter that follows the day after our shows and includes, for the most part, things that are deeper dives into what we talked about on the show. We also include some other fun. Uh, Kevin Bailey, who used to be with TIA and with uh, Vanguard, now is on Team Stacking Benjamins does a brilliant job of uh, writing this. StackyBenjamins.com slash 201. Just put in slash and then the number 201 after StackyBenjamins.com. And uh, you can sign up for our newsletter, the 201, and dive deeper into hiring better advisors in your corner and maybe being on the positive side of this next time. All right, coming up next, Rob Welch co-wrote this book with Jonathan Scott. Speaking of Jonathan Scott, Jonathan was a a 10-year veteran of the NFL. And guess which team, Doug, he got drafted by and played for initially? Houston Texans. Detroit Lions. Rob Welch, former U.S. Marine, and he's a minister as well with over 17 years' experience in the financial industry. He's trained and mentored thousands of people on leadership, business, and personal growth. 
he and Jonathan as, as friends and coworkers got together to teach you how to go pro with your money. But before we get there, I think, Doug, you've got some uh, related trivia for us, don't you? Sure do, Joe. Hey there, stackers. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. And since we're on the topic of pros today, you should know I'm somewhat of a pro myself. You know, not exactly on the field or like in the pool, but hey, it's pretty much the same thing. While the pro football players were strapping on their shoulder pads, I was hiking up those really snug Speedo shorts for my art. Synchronized swimming. You know, same thing. Really? In fact, if it weren't for my pesky swimmer's ear and Marge, who could not keep a rhythm and she ruined everything at the Northeast Texas Regional Meet, thanks Marge, I was a shoo-in to go pro. I was going to go pro. All the ladies in my YMCA water aerobics class told Joe's mom they thought I was a natural or maybe something about oh natural tomato tomato it doesn't matter i hated letting them down but my pro in the pool days are probably past ladies speaking of pros george blanda was drafted by the chicago bears way back in 1949 he played in the nfl well beyond the usual age finally retiring at age 48 he tops the list of the oldest players of all time and that brings me to my trivia question Five of the oldest players in NFL history played what position? Think about it. I'll be back right after I use Joe's mom's tub to see if I can at least, you know, still float on my back. We all have smartphones and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they can also be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. Oh God. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. U.S. Cellular, a company that sells phones, wants us to put down our phones and to see what we find. Learn more at uscellular.com slash built for us. Well, you know what I think about Navy Federal? I think about the veterans that have done so much for our country. And I also think about some of our active service members. want to say a special shout out to uh, my nephews, Colin and Nathan, who are both in the Navy. Colin is stationed outside Seattle, Washington on a submarine. And my nephew, Nathan, is in South Africa as an air traffic controller. And in Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants you also to celebrate members many of whom go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. It's all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their family are eligible for Navy Federal membership. They offer 24-7 help from their U.S.-based member service. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate to see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federals insured by NCUA, equalizing lender. Hey there, stackers. I'm wave maker and a lifeguard's nightmare, Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. There was another NFL player to stay in the game for parts of four decades, tying Blanda. John Carney played from 1987 to 2010 and also made the list of the top 10 oldest players. So can you answer my trivia? The question is, five of the 10 oldest players in NFL history played what position? If you said kicker, you're correct. And now how about the kicker of this podcast, 
getting you ready to go pro in money with the help of Rob Welsh. Well, tomorrow with the NFL Draft, super happy to talk to this guy, Mr. Rob Welch is with us. How are you, man? Fantastic, Joe. How are you? Well, I'm good, but you're a guy who has been close to athletes and close to the draft. What's going through all these athletes' heads as they wait, await the draft tomorrow? Probably uh, let me get picked. Hope I'm not in the uh, second day. Don't want to be undrafted, but also, too, is... If they're expected to go in a higher, higher round, money. When you say hopefully not the second day, Rob, not only is it more likely they'll make the team if they're on the first day, but also there's a significant drop in pay very quickly, isn't there? There is. And there's a guarantee. I don't know the exact numbers currently, but you're, if you're in the first round, it's the most at number one, and then it kind of trickles down. From the perspective of the second day, Jonathan had... <laughs> So he was he was expected to go the first day, and then he tells it it's probably one of the worst days of his life because all the family was there, they had all the food. Oh no! Can I get called? Goes to the second day. What is he on the phone then with his agent that whole day? Like, is he getting phone calls back and forth from team owners? How does that how does that work if you're in the room? Well, he's probably getting a calm down call. Don't worry <laughs> about it, you know stuff like that. But the agents' work is typically at when they're undrafted free agents. That's where really the work comes in. Yeah. Well, let's talk about what's going through these guys' head money-wise. You and Jonathan, based on this book, must believe that the stuff going through a draftee's head when it comes to money might be the wrong stuff. Am I wrong? Potentially, yes. I would say you're, what's happening is that if you look at the first chapter of the book and it has a W-2 paycheck in it, uh, the reason that was there is because... You want to educate young people, whether it's a, you know, if you got an athlete or a, just an everyday person, you don't get to keep the whole check. There's a lot of participants in your check. They didn't work beside you. They didn't help you, but they want to, they're going to get a participation percentage of that check, right? <laughs> and then you get your first check and imagine you're playing in, in any league, right? You get your first check and you haven't been informed. You're like, wait a minute, who's FICA? the heck's going on? <laughs> I don't have a cousin FICA. What, uh, Jonathan thought he was going to buy a Rolls Royce, he writes. He, he was sure that, hey, I'm going to make, what, $370,000, he wrote. Seemed like he could afford a Rolls Royce. Turns out when he saw his paycheck, it was wrong. You, by the way, are referring to uh, Steph Curry's. And I actually wrote down these numbers, Rob, just so we'd have them. In 2017, in this graphic, he made only, only, $34,682,550. Don't know what he would do without that last five hundred and fifty. But then $3.5 million goes to an escrow account. You explained to me the other day that that's something that the NBA does to pay them a little bit later. Is that what that is? Well, it's to protect the league. So if COVID happens, right, um, and somebody who's part of the NBA or an agent has a better perspective of it. But from the understanding I've got talking with NBA agents is that like COVID happened and they were able to not go under because they have this escrow, but also too is all of the players got that money back later on. Which is fabulous because if some guys have left the league and everybody's career is pretty short in these leagues, they still have money coming in. But then of that 34 million plus after that three and a half million dollar cut, 11.6 million goes to federal taxes, 11.6 and then 4.1 to city and state taxes Nearly a million goes to his agent. I'm in the wrong business. And then I thought this line was funny, Rob. 
18,000 goes to a 401k. Steph Curry, high five. Max funds is 401k, which for him is that for, you know, our average stacker, max fund in your 401k is a big deal for him. It's an afterthought, but then uh, he gets to add back some from earlier. He's got seven or 50,000 of escrow given him just over 15 million of 35. He's got less than half of his paycheck, Rob. Like you guys make a big point of it's not what you make, it's what you keep that's important. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the thing is too, is that you pay where you play. Steph happens to be in California. It's one of the highest state tax states all around. Imagine if you live in Texas, no state tax, right? Cost of living's a lot less. And then you go play there, but you got to pay there. And then states like New York have four different taxes, you know, federal, state, county, and city. So if you live there and you play there, you're hoping to play in a state that <laughs> that doesn't have a state tax. It's actually funny, Rob, because as you're talking, I'm thinking about our average stacker out there going to GoPro and I'm thinking, what does this mean to them? Number one, if we do a good job of negotiating a pay raise or negotiating our next our next contract, we often look at the bottom line. If we're really savvy, we look at the whole benefits package, right? But if we're super savvy, you're saying we even maybe look at what state we we live in because that can change the game for us financially as well? A hundred percent. Think about this, right? California, take the Bay Area, right? We moved to Dallas from the Bay Area six years ago. It's night and day as far as cost of living. Night and day. I mean, we came out here and we we're like, that house is only a million? Are you kidding me? You know? <laughs> I'm like, what? You know, San Jose, like some parts of San Jose, you get a one built in the 1950s, maybe refurbished, 1,200 square feet going for 1.2. You come out here and it's like 5,000 square foot home, 1.2. It's a significant difference. Now, the cost of living is going up here just like it did in the Bay Area. You're starting to see all that happen. And again, it's not what you make, it's what you keep. Yeah, I think that is huge. We'll get to the types of assets you want to buy here in a minute. But another aha from Jonathan early in the book. Jonathan makes a great point that it isn't about just this contract. He very quickly thinks it isn't what you make, it's what you keep. But it's also not about this contract, Rob. It's about the next contract. I think that also translates to the average person as well. You have to think long-term, right? If you're an athlete, for instance, right? For instance, you, you have to think in terms of a business, treating it like a business. If you're just, you know, somebody out there who has a career and you're working at a job, you have some limitations as to what you could do. But if you want to increase your pay, you have to increase your identity and you're going to have to get into personal development. So you're never going to out-earn the owner, and the person who's making most of the money is the furthest away from the cash register. So depending on where you live, all of this goes into play with keeping more of your money, but also being smart with your money. Most people don't treat themselves as a, an expense. Like the first thing to get paid out of your paycheck isn't to pay the bills, it's to pay, you know, pay Rob. So you keep more of that money and then you got to know where to put it, obviously. Well, in one place that he puts it, and I'm kind of surprised because the Detroit Lions being a professional football team have all of this developmental stuff that they do on the end. Jonathan doesn't even wait for them, Rob. He takes part of his paycheck and invests it also into his development. Talk for a second about some of the things that he did with his paycheck to make sure that he tried to get some more career longevity. He was fortunate, right? So his dad played with Namath. So he had a little guidance along the way. And plus, you know, so he kind of knew some path to take. 
Donathan didn't make Tom Brady money, but he did make money. You know, he made multiple millions over his career, which obviously kept 40%. But what he did is he saved his money. He bought a house, invested into businesses, but he invested into himself. He's very clear on what his objectives were in empowering others. But some of the mistakes, if you ask me, were that he will tell you is that he didn't get the right counsel on those businesses. Uh, and he let a financial advisor put a third of his assets, liquidity, as a 20-something into an annuity, which he didn't have access to, and uh, still charge a fee. Yeah, let's talk about advisors, because both of you guys say in the book that having advisors around you is important, but you've got to remain the CEO. Tell me about where you stand with your you know, your agents, your advisors, picking the right advisors and not picking the wrong ones? Well, some of the information you should probably know is what is the advisor actually going to do with your money? I'm going to manage your money. What does that actually mean? And what's it going into? Oh, we're going to, you know, we'll take a look at your risk tolerance. We'll take a look at this, right? What's your goals? Okay, I want to be retired by certain day, right? Okay, well, Here's what we're going to do. I got a graph now. Here's some pictures. These will be EFTs. These will be stocks. These will be mutual funds. And then you go, okay. And then you don't even ask, like, what the heck are those? Or if you do ask them, nobody knows what 12B1 fees are, right? And everything, if you make a pancake from scratch, the baking powder without it, it's a flat jack. If you don't put sugar in it, it's pale white, right? I mean, I used to be a chef a long time ago back in the day. I could but tell. I was like, this has come from somewhere. There's only one ingredient to a 401k, right? It's mutual funds. <laughs> and typically advisors, if and I had securities licenses. So if somebody came to me and they, I put it in mutual funds based off of whatever, you know, I look at it. It's easy to teach, right? Look at the history, make your gut assumption based off of this. And then you know how many times you look at it? I don't look at it every day. I don't have to. I can't control it. And also, too, is that if I want to today, Joe, you tell, you know, as somebody tells me, the market's crashing today. I call up the advisor, said, I want out. I want to move this to cash. I, I don't want to lose any money. Too late. You can't transact the trade, but it won't close until the end of the business day when the, when the market's closed. Right. That's something people should know. Yeah. And it's interesting that you have to know enough to be in control of your own situation. I like that, uh, that Jonathan, when he figured out what he wanted to do, that he started thinking about things like, re he started thinking about things to replicate a paycheck, which by the way, tells me number one, the annuity is completely wrong, right? Cause that's not going to give him a paycheck until, you know, way the hell down the road after a ton of fees, but he starts thinking about a paycheck and then he thinks about, well, maybe I need to know a little bit about real estate, still need people around me, but I need to know. He is pretty obsessed with the fact that he knows his career is short, but he needs to make money forever. So he works on creating an engine. Part of that engine though, Rob, he talks about discipline. You two both talk about discipline. He needs discipline, of course, to reach the NFL. You needed discipline. Is your time time is I don't think you get through the Marine Corps without having some discipline. You and my co-host. Is is good money management truly about discipline, or can we find ways to make discipline matter a little less? There's only so much you're gonna do with the actual money sitting there, right? So the idea of being clear on what you want the money to do for you is going to be another thing. Uh, revenue generating assets to replace the current income. But then you have to take a look at how will it sustain itself through an economic kind of downfall, right? It's going into business. It's the same thing. But what can I do today to get that money to generate revenue and work for me like little soldiers? People pay money and spend money to survive. 
then they go spend money for comfort, but they never have a delayed gratification to wait upon that until they invest this money into things that are going to produce money consistently, whether they show up to work or not, then they can go into comfort. Yeah. It's so important to have those SF first. You talk about two things we all need. If we're going to be pro with our money, we need a budget and we need a personal financial statement. First of all, let's start with a budget, a basic way to set up a really workable budget, Rob, because you know, a lot of people hate the B word. Yeah. You want to take a look at, okay, here's how much money I got in my paycheck, right? Here's what's going to be coming in for the month. But we'll take a look at, okay, what expenses do I have to have to fixed expenses that are going to have to be paid, whether it's rent, utilities, you know, my car note, everything that has to get paid, right? Plus saving 10 to 20% of your money should be written down on that list. And by the end of the day, if you take the money coming in minus the money that's got to go out, right? Not any extravagancies, not takeout food your groceries, you know, to sustain yourself. And you take a look at money coming in minus money that's got to go out. And if I have a negative sign in front of it, that's not a good sign. And so creating a budget not only tells you, here's what we've got, but then also the budget on top of it tells us, okay, how much am I trying to save for what? Then you can start to take a look at, okay, I've got this money left over. How am I going to allocate this money? My son works for me. He's 27 years old. He understands money. He loves to save money. Um, and just recently having a conversation, look, you're making more money, but you're not saving more money. And he's like, I can pay you all the money you want, right? I mean, you get the family legacy. You can do whatever. But you're not, I, can give you so, I can pay you another 50000 this year, but you're not going to save any of it. So you got to get that under control. I told him Mint.com was a, it's free. I used it. It helps you set up budgets and it's free. But most people don't have a budget. I like the ability on Mint or any of the other lookalikes that you can set up these barriers that I remember when I first began taking control of my money and and I was setting up these, getting a, um, this was right after Mint came out. I get, I get this text message while I'm sitting, I think it was literally Olive Garden. So no, no shame guys. I'm a super breadsticks guy. So, so I, so I'm sitting there and we just paid the bill and I get this, I get this message from mint telling me I'm over my food allocation, which was great. It's like this, you can't go pro Rob without data. It seems like you need as much data as you can get. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I found that people have limiting beliefs around money. You know, if you go to Best Buy and the guy's trying to get you on, you know, get financed, right? They don't have commissions, which is, but you know, I'm going to finance a TV. Nobody really understands what that implication is to go finance a TV or you finance a couch. Okay. Every time you're sitting on the couch, just go ching, ching. There's the bank just made money. Your visa card just made money to think of it in terms of like leveraging debt later on. Debt is not a bad debt if you can leverage it for the right reasons. However, budgeting is critical to get everything under control. But when you're talking about data, Mint, I remember getting the alerts. It's in the yellow, right? You know right. that you're this much away, right? right. Uh, but if you don't understand where your money goes, I mean, I remember back in 2000, whatever it was, and making millions. And then I look back and I was like, where'd all the money go? And it, that's the worst feeling in the world. Like just, where'd it go? And I wasn't really, you know, you make money, you forget about budgeting and like, just okay. And then, but not being clear and not thinking too small, that, that was a, that was a catalyst to grow where we are today. How did a disciplined money guy like yourself and a former pro football player get together? How did you guys actually meet? 
Well, I came to Dallas in six years ago and a business partner of mine that we connected out here and started moving together and he ended up meeting Jonathan at the W. He's from here. So he met Jonathan at the W Hotel. There was a former, you know, the NFL alumni event he had invited. You know, he's very successful by all means. And, you know, you got all these guys that are playing in the NFL and they're just kind of like fans struck or whatever. And they're all coming to Jonathan, you know, blah, blah, blah. Asking just, what's your favorite team or this and this. And, <laughs> and towards the end of the event, Ken approached him and he used to say, hey, man, what's up? And he's just expecting something different from Ken, business partner, Jonathan. And he tells him, no, no, man, how you doing? I'm from here. You know, it's like he asked Ken, what do you do? He goes, yeah, I work with athletes, keep more of their money in taxes. Well, you know, a hot button for that athlete or former athlete is taxes. Taxes. And, and Ken just happened. And what happened is they ended up having a conversation seven hours long just in life. Then he comes back to me the next day. Come in, you got to meet this guy, Jonathan. So me and Jonathan, Ken, we get together. We're talking. And if you ever meet Jonathan, he's just a great guy. And he has the presence about him, right? And we're saying, man, what's your goal? What's your purpose? And he goes, empowering others. And I was like, man, this is like, so what are you doing today, right? I mean, what do you do? And we just connected. And he ended up becoming a business partner. Ken wanted me to talk to him about money and kind of walk through. And Jonathan is very... Dad, he wants to learn, right? And I'm a patient guy and I love teaching. And so we ended up connecting, pulled up his NFL accounts at one time and he didn't know how they worked. He kind of like, I said, we go in there and he found out you can't touch your 401k till you're 45. Well, could he use that money right now? That's what he was looking at, right? And I was just like, man, really? We tried every which way from Sunday. There's no way. And there's yeah. so many young guys, they're putting a ton of money in this thing. And they don't know they can't touch it until they're 45. And how many people in the NFL in particular get to play until they're 45 or even coach at that level? That's the thing. It's funny because that is not so much a negative thing about the 401k. It's negative about the fact people don't know what they have, what they're saving into. Same thing, Rob, that you said earlier, which is you trust these people and they just go, oh, okay, you throw your money over here. And then you find out later you can't get at it. Like, I think every time I hear a story like this about um, Stephen Covey's, uh, one of his seven habits has that analogy about picking up the stick. You pick up one side, putting money in, well, you got to think about how the hell am I going to get money out? That would drive me crazy if I have my money in a place that I'm going to need it before then and I can't, I can't get it out. Well, I'll tell you, Silicon Valley, back in when we had the Great Recession, you know, you have engineers, engineers and more engineers. I mean, it's like, it's Silicon Valley and they were getting 50 cents on the dollar after everything, penalties, taxes, and then just trying to get know, their, get their cash. Yeah. yeah. You know, cause here's the NFL is different. You can't touch, you can't even access it. You can't roll it out. You can't do anything like a regular job, but to not ask all the questions. Right. And everybody's in, you know, Jonathan was on this right now. He just hates the 401k just so you know. Right. So, <laughs> Well, but my standpoint is a financial advisor to a lot of people is that that is based on his point of view. Yes. That is that is based on his particular yes. what he wanted and not knowing about all the facts before he got in it. Because I think the 401k is awesome. I think the 401k probably would have sucked ass for him. <laughs> would have been horrible for him. So well, I can see why. That, <laughs> yeah, it's, here's the thing. It's all about purpose, right? It's all about what am I trying to accomplish? You know, I have guys coming up to me back in, you know, so we, I'm not in financial services. We're a private bank now, but sure. yeah. I've educated a lot of people and I, you know, voluntarily will educate people. It's like, 
you know, good, bad, or ugly. It doesn't matter. It's like, I used to have agents come up, hey, this guy's got 100,000. You know, it's like, what's he trying to do with it? I mean, what's the purpose right. of the darn stuff? It's right. not about the money. It's about what's the purpose. It's and like our, our friend, Rob, Roger Whitney is a retirement answer, man. He's not far from you over in Fort Worth. He always says, if an advisor leads with product and not purpose, you need to run. Like run. Oh, man. Hey, I heard it once from a mentor a long time ago. He said, relating to the medical field, prescription without diagnosis is malpractice. Amen. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, I want to end here with uh, chapter three. And our stackers, Rob, mostly work for somebody else, right? Like Jonathan working for, for the Lions and for other NFL teams. Here's a big quote from your book. Do I want to own a team or just play on a team? What does that mean? When you think of an NFL team in particular, right? The NBA is a night and day situation. Uh, they get percentages of the media. They get, like it's a players' league. When you talk about the NFL, you're you're actually just a property. You're a commodity to be traded on the open markets and sold and bought. And it's a commodity. And you're in a gladiator system, but the owner's making most of the money. So everything you like. People, they're excited to play football. They're excited to be in the league. They're excited to get there. But they never think in terms of owning a league, owning a team, I mean. And if you were to think in terms of ownership versus using this money coming in right now that will basically, I'm treating the NFL career as a business. This is Rob LLC. And treat it like a business. But would you rather be the owner of the team? Let's say the Cowboys, Jerry Jones. Would you rather be Jerry Jones or would you rather be Ezekiel Elliott? This was such a powerful concept. And I wanted to end on that, Rob, because I think that realizing that it's brand you, that no matter who you work for, you are the business owner of your life and thinking like a CFO or a CEO of your own life. I mean, when I look at Jonathan playing for a different team, he still throws money into his development. He gets burned. So he learns what type of assets he likes, which ones he doesn't. He starts thinking about setting up a paycheck for himself that's going to be sustaining. I mean, talk about a business mindset. That is phenomenal. Joe Dispenza's got a lot of great stuff, right? You'll never out-earn your self-esteem, number one, right? And if you're yeah. just going to stay in an employee, then be the best you can, but grow in it. But personal development's everything, right? Joe Dispenza wrote a book, uh, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. I think Robert, Dr. Robert Anthony had a good book precursor to that that is a smaller book, easier to understand, is the Beyond Positive Thinking. Both books' concept is removing those limited beliefs on what you deserve. And people's financial, emotional intelligence, it has everything to do with everything and how, how you grow your identity. People that just, there are certain things that people do in habit form that doesn't cause them to go get to where they want to go. But I just talked with a guy at church and he's one of the leaders at the church. And we just, I'm one of his mentors and we just started talking and he's asking me, you know, he's trying to go full-time ministry. Man, if I just, I said, well, how much money is a money? And he goes, man, if I just had a million dollars, I said, well, what'd you do with it? He goes, man, I wouldn't have to be like this. And everything was I, me, or mine. I said, man, you think it's way too small. I said, everything's about you. I was like, what about ministry? I mean, you're put so many limitations on how you think about money and what you're doing. And I sent him Joe Dispenza's thing, highlighted areas I had in it, right? This dude blew up. Like it really removed his thing. He came back. He shows me yesterday at church. He's got a plan put together to do this and this now. And he's like, he wants to actually teach what I taught him because it benefited him. 
The book is The Winning Playbook, Strategies for Life on and Off the Field. Uh, Rob, I'm assuming it's available everywhere. Yeah, it's it's sold out at one point. It was like, uh, but it's free on Kindle right now, too. Oh, well, I, I got to tell you, I love the fact that this book's written for NFL players and it's being eaten up by people like us. Like, I just think there's such an analogy here that you and Jonathan nail. I got to say, man, thank you for helping with the draft tomorrow. All of our stacker nation, wherever they got drafted, make the most of that paycheck. Now they're bringing it home. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Great to be with you. Hey, I'm Mr. Wow. And I'm Mrs. Wow from Waffles on Wednesday. And when we're not eating waffles, we're stacking Benjamins. Man, big thanks to Rob for helping us go pro. And you don't want to be like a lot of these people like Jonathan was OG thinking, hey, I'm making 370000 I can afford a Rolls Royce. Like, probably, probably. Yes, you can. <laughs> Do it. Probably, probably not. And I love this idea of building a house with your money, right? That's going to sustain you for a long time. Like, I, I feel like Jonathan nails the fact that his career is going to be pretty short, so he needs to build an engine that's going to sustain him after a pretty short career. I think we overestimate our ability to continually bring home the bacon OG. And we don't think enough about building this extra, this other engine. I think we think, okay, this is my long-term money, but building an engine, I don't know why that resonates more with me, but it certainly does. I like it. By the way, back to your trivia, Doug, did, <laughs> did you say tomato, tomato, like literally the same word twice? Isn't, isn't that the phrase? I, I thought it was, isn't it tomato, tomato? It's spelled tomato, tomato. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't. We just had honorable mention for excellence and we can't read the words. I did read the words. I read the words that were on. They're spelled you want me exactly. to say the slash in between tomato <laughs> slash tomato there. Is that the right phrase? Did I say it right now? That's the excellence you get on this show, everybody. That's it. That's excellence in motion. When it comes to our trivia. You're welcome. Hey, let's uh, throw out the Haven Lifeline and tackle some of life's most important questions. Our friends at Haven Life Insurance Agency, OG, they put what you value first. Do you value tomatoes more or tomatoes more? I, I value um, seatbelts. <laughs> it's your loved ones and your time, and you're hoping kind of the same thing. that you get a lot of time, a lot of time, like years in the years, enjoying your loved ones instead of uh, screaming What's that joke about uh, grandpa dying peacefully in his sleep, but the other three people in the car that he was driving were screaming? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds about right. It's, it's why they made buying quality term life insurance actually simple. You go to stackybedjamins.com slash Haven Life now for a free quote. Love what they're doing at Haven Life because their application has been simplified, streamlined. You get an instant coverage decision affordable prices, and they're issued by a company that's 160 years old, Mass Mutual. Get this done, people. Stackybedjamins.com slash Haven Life. Take care of that. Everybody knows that this is a big part of your planning that you need to get done, and you never know. Today, we're going to throw out the lifeline to Nate. Hey, Nate. Hi, guys. This is Nate from Wisconsin. My question is, if the Fed's raised interest one more time, my online savings account is going to be higher than my home mortgage interest. Is there any benefit to switching the additional money I pay every month and put it in savings to earn that little bit of interest versus leaving it where it is 
and paying down my mortgage faster than I already am. Maybe two, three dollars of interest a month versus the compounding interest that the mortgage company has. I'd like to hear your thoughts. OG kind of brought it up a couple weeks ago when we were talking about interest rates, and I just wanted to see what you guys thought. Thanks. Bye. Doug, I think you triggered the entire state of Wisconsin now. I yes, I did. They're like, we are we are gonna let them know what true Wisconsinerish is. She said Wisconsin. We established this on Monday. And I was really doubting Nate until he said, OG. I'd like to know what OG thinks. Then I'm like, oh, this dude's for real. Not like the poser we had on Monday. Oh Jim was not Oh man. Jim. Jim, write your hate mail to Doug, not to not to me and OG. OG, so what do you think? Interest rates and putting extra money on your mortgage. I think that you don't upset the apple cart. The amount of extra savings, like we said, or like he said here, a few extra dollars of interest versus not paying the mortgage company the interest, you know, that arbitrage there. And remembering to change it back when interest rates change, which is going to happen, and then change it back again, and then change it back again you know, over the next 15 or 20 years of this house payoff goal, it it seems like the juice isn't worth the squeeze. You're either in the camp of, I want to pay my house off as soon as I can, or in the camp of, I've got this low interest rate and I'm just going to slow play it as, 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 as little as they'll let me pay along the way. I'm in the pay off the house because I look at the studying of people who are successful financially. And I don't see a lot of people who are like, and then right before I retired, I got a big fat mortgage and I lived happily ever after, you know, (laughs) and I've never met anybody who's like, we paid our house off when we were 45 and hated every second of life from that point forward because paying mortgages is awesome. And I wish I did it for longer. So in studying the people who have been successful or who are successful a lot of success is really just modeling those behaviors that you already see. How do you prove to yourself at age 25 that compounding works for the next 50 years of your life? You don't. You just go, well, somebody said it does, and I see people who are successful, so I'm going to model that behavior and believe that the math works. You can do the math, but until you benefit from it, you don't see it. And further, you don't even get any of that compounding early. You know, like you you put 20 grand in and it grew by a whole 2,000. Ooh. You put another 20 grand in, it grows by another two or 3,000. Ooh. Like it's not until you go like, oh, I've got a million bucks in my 401k. I put in 20 and the thing grew by 120. Like, holy crap. Then you start kind of accelerating that. So you got to be a believer and a doer long before you see the results of it through everything else in your financial life. And in looking at the house payoff thing, I see everybody who is successfully paid off their houses earlier in their financial life seem to be happier and live better, better lives. So that's where we fall down on it. I get that the math side of it says, well, my house is at two and a half. The bank's paying four and a half. Maybe I don't want to be as aggressive with it. I certainly would say if you have other high interest debt, it would make more sense to focus on the higher interest debt rather than your house, it's still accomplishing the goal of becoming debt-free just a little bit more efficiently than just blindly putting it on our house. But I wouldn't be switching it back and forth. You know, in fact, why not just add a little bit extra to the house right now? So, you know, you're paying $200 extra, round up the next hundred, you know, do the next hundred, challenge yourself, have some fun with it. 
be more aggressive. YOLO. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Nate, for the question. If you've got a question for us. And you're not from Wisconsin. (laughs) Even if you are from Wisconsin. I think Wisconsin needs to continue. Everybody from Wisconsin can call. Needs to continue to bring the real Wisconsin. Show us the real Wisconsin. StackingBenjamins.com slash voicemail. All right. That is just about it for today's show. Hey, we've got on the community calendar today, let's talk about what mom has on the refrigerator because she has a great five-star review, OG, that's on the fridge. Sweet. Uh, This is from Tuck3169. Tuck says, far and away, my favorite podcast. I religiously listen to all three episodes each week and wish there were more. Great mix of wisdom and humor from Joe and OG. Doug is okay, too. What the? Given his history. Did he really say that? Given his history. It doesn't say given his history, but it does say Doug is okay, too. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Let's keep that joke going. Nice job, Doug. Or or Tuck, rather. Nice job, Tuck. Please leave us a review. It helps people see what uh, that we're a little little different. This isn't about number of tips per minute. It definitely is to help you lower the temperature and realize that, uh, you know, managing money. Might be a little easier and more worthwhile if you just get started. Just just get moving. Got to be semi-pro before you become pro. Coming up on Friday is our roundtable episode where we take a piece from the popular press and we chat about it. So if you're looking for an even chattier Stacky Benjamins episode, that's on Friday. But for now, man... Some good takeaways in this show. Uh, A lot from Rob and from the headlines, but Doug, distill it for us. What are our top three? Well, Joe, first, take some advice from Rob and learn the rules of money to steer the direction of your life and become financially empowered. Second, not happy with your advisor? Time to take charge. Surround yourself with assistant coaches to keep the NFL theme alive who have your back and help you with a holistic game plan. But the big lesson... Check the mirror before you walk out to the pool in your old swimsuits. (laughs) Some things may not be covered like they used to be. Look, I don't care what the lifeguard said, though. I probably made somebody's day. Thanks to Rob Welsh for joining us today. You can find his book, The Winning Playbook, Strategies for Life on and Off the Field, anywhere good books are sold. We'll also include links in our show notes at stackingbenjamins.com. This show is the property of SB Podcasts, LLC, copyright 2023, and is created by Joe Salcihai. Our producer is Karen Repine. This show was written by Lacey Langford, who's also the host of the Military Money Show, with help from me, Joe, and Doc G from the Earn and Invest podcast. Kevin Bailey helps us take a deeper dive into all the topics covered on each episode in our newsletter called The 201. You'll find the 411 on all things money at the 201. Just visit stackingbenjamins.com slash 201. Tina Eichenberg makes the video version of this show. Once we bottle up all this goodness, we ship it to our engineer, the amazing Steve Stewart. Steve helps the rest of our team sound nearly as good as I do right now. Want to chat with friends about the show later? Mom's friend Gertrude and Kate Yunkin are our social media coordinators, and Gertrude is the room mother in our Facebook group called The Basement. So, say hello when you see us posting online. To join all the basement fun with other stackers, type stackingbenjamins.com basement. 
Not only should you not take advice from these nerds, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any financial decisions, speak with a real financial advisor. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and we'll see you next time back here at the Stacking Benjamin Show. Our friend Erin, who has spent some time as a financial blogger, told me that she went to see the new Dungeons and Dragons movie. She actually mentioned it on her Facebook page. What? <laughs> and I thought, as a guy who, when he was 13, played a ton of Dungeons and Dragons um, Shocking with, no my, one. with my brother and my cousin. Can you email me the rest of this story? I even saw this movie OG and I thought, yeah, I don't think I want to see this. I think. Why um, are we talking about it? <sighs> but then sh she said that it was decent. And I was like, yeah, no. And then Cheryl told me, she's like, oh, Cheryl wants nothing to do with Dungeons and Dragons. It goes, oh, that new Dungeons and Dragons movie looks really good. Let's go watch it. I'm like, who no, are you? No, she didn't say that. She I've known Cheryl a long time. <laughs> you, no, you, no, you. no. Walking in her sleep or talking, like when she. No, that's not, that doesn't count. You can't get her you, drunk and be like, you want to see Dungeons and Gravens, right? Yeah. No, no, you, you ask her. Because I was surprised too. And it's like then, the magazine cut out. Like you take all the letters. Yeah, yeah, like it's a ransom note. Please, God, save me. I'm in a Cinemark having to watch a Dungeons and Dragons movie. No, you just no. splice together a whole bunch of conversations that you've had. And it's like, oh, yes, Joe, I would like to go to Dungeons and Dragons movie it's like see you said it i don't oh god hate that right <laughs> so then we look at the have you seen the rotten tomatoes on this movie like 95 percent positive 95 percent. no of course not anyway here's a quick trailer for the uh starring by the way one of the chris's which chris anybody know hemsworth nobody cares nope pratt is Pratt the one that played uh, the Star Trek dude? No. Pratt's the one from uh, Parks Looks and like Rec. you're really committed to this, too. <laughs> who's, who's the Star Trek Chris? The Wonder Woman Chris? <sighs> Just get it. Evans? Yeah, Chris Evans. We're, no, not Chris, Chris Evans. God. Captain America. Chris Thompson. Chris Jones. Chris Williams. Pine. Chris, Chris Pine, come on, guys. Oh, yeah, Why that A-list actor that we this? all think of. Chris Pine, yeah. <laughs> you don't like Chris Pine? Just Dungeons and Dragons. Like Everybody turned us off as soon as you said Dungeons and Dragons. What is that? Run! 
facing the greatest evil the world has ever known. He's executing our people. This is unlike anything we've ever seen. What's trying to kill us this time? Pretty much everything. Magic is on a whole other level. See, explosions. Number one, explosions. Number two, Led Zeppelin music. Number three, Chris Pine. I was going to say, is Zeppelin that hard up for cash? We also that have they Hugh to- Grant. Hugh Grant oh, is is in this movie as well. I don't see why it got a ninety five percent. I will tell you, it was. <laughs> It had one of the better endings of a film that I've seen in a long time. And that's just not because it was finished, because it was over and I got to go home. It actually had a really good ending that surprised me. I did not see it coming until about the time they wanted you to see it was coming. There were a couple of uh, derivative scenes, which looked like they were pulled specifically out of the Hunger Games. In fact, Cheryl turned to me during one of them and goes, that's kind of Hunger Games-ish. I'm like, no, it's pretty much a ripoff of the Hunger Games. <laughs> so they're taking inspiration from a lot of a lot of places, a lot of good movies. There's nothing new here, but I, I got to say it was a fun ride, guys. It wasn't a 95%. I told uh, Cheryl I thought it was a very solid 6.8 on a scale of 1 to 10. And uh, OG, I think you'd actually like it. Explosions, bad guys, lots of shooting. There is a 0.00% chance I will watch this movie ever. There's dragons and there's Hugh Grant. I know what a big fan you are of watching (sighs) Hugh Grant movies. Well, given that. He did Notting Hill, which is one of your favorite films. And he did the Dungeons and Dragons movie. True. And the Love Actually. (laughs) And Love Actually, right. Well, stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is Military Appreciation Month that I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine, you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans, and all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.